we get to walk into heaven someday and worship around the throne of God. That in and of itself should be enough of a, uh, enough of a, um, a hope that we would live a holy life, a holy life that's pleasing before the Lord. But we, as we said last week, we are a church who loves God, loves people, and serves others. And folks, uh, last week we talked about loving God. This week we're going to talk about loving people. And I will tell you, and I, this is a perfect time for this, uh, when you are in and out of family gatherings, when you are in and out of office gatherings or Christmas parties of different sorts, anytime you walk in and out of church, it's important to learn how to deal with people. We gotta know how to deal with people and we've gotta get the right mindset and the right attitude of what it means to love people in a right way. So if you wanna turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 6, I'm going to read some verses today that I know you're going to be very familiar with. Very simple challenge today about loving people. Some people's hard to love. Anybody getting any Black Friday fights? Nobody? Good. Getting a fight with your computer when you're shopping online? Come on, just click it! Luke chapter 6, we all there? Verse 32, Jesus' words. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Well, let's just go home. Jesus already said it, amen? Do that, and there'll be a great reward. Amen. Well, it's been good being with you today. It's pretty simple, right? Just do that, and there'll be a great reward. People, love people, all people. Good people, bad people, nice people, angry people, happy people, grouchy people, all people. Love them. Pretty simple, right? Can we do that? Can we just all get along? Can we all just get along? Everybody just love each other and get along? Even if they don't deserve the love. Sometimes there's some people, they, if they deserve anything, it is not my love that they deserve. Right? It's easy to define who deserves my love and who doesn't deserve my love. But folks, this word right here from the Lord is very clear that we will receive a great reward. Listen, it's easy, and all of us want reciprocating love. Amen? All of us want love that's going to be returned when we give it back. Love is like playing catch. You throw the ball, but if they just take it and run off, it's like, jerk. Right? You want love that's going to be thrown back your direction. And what Jesus is saying is that you've got to be able to have the the common sense enough in the spirit to not just love those who throw the ball back at you, but the ones that say, got you and take off running you never see him again he wants us to love people all people doesn't matter who it is doesn't matter what they've been through doesn't matter what they've done to you we've got to stop with this worldly mindset of love 
It seems very rewarding when we experience a love that's returned to us, but the reality of it is, is that if we behave and we only receive that kind of a love, what credit is it to us? We're not going to enjoy, we're not going to enjoy the full reward and blessing of God if that's the only way we love. Think of it this way. There's no credit for it. Jesus says, what credit is it to you? What kind of sacrifice have you given if that's the only way you love? If you only love the people that like the things you like and hang out with you and do the things you do and and have the same opinion as you and think like you do. You know our culture today is kind of messed up because we're all about freedom and equality, but it's really freedom and equality as long as you agree with me. Folks, that's not love. That's not love. That's not the love that God has placed inside of Christians. It's not the love of the Spirit. What credit is it to you if you only love those who are nice to you? That's no credit. Even worldly people, lost people do that. We find our groups and we're a part of our group and we love that group, but we hate everybody else. That's a gang. That's called a gang. It's a clique. What credit is that? You see, this, this challenge of love is the same kind of love uh, is, is really measured in the same way that, that when Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount talks about those who pray, those who, who uh, give, and those who fast. He says, go into your closet And pray to the Father who is in secret, so that the Father who sees in secret may what? Reward you openly. But he says, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to stand on the streets. They love to go out and to pray big open prayers, long prayers in front of people, so that they can get the reward of man patting them on the back for their deep spirituality. And what does he say about them? They have received their reward in full. What credit is is it to them to pray in public if they are dishonoring the Father in private? Amen? Amen? It's the same way with giving. If you're going to give alms, the Scripture says, if you're going to give to the poor, do it so that your, your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. Do it in private. Do it in secret so that your Father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. But the hypocrites, they love to go out and, and give big gifts in public and let people see what I'm doing so that, so that why? So they can get the credit of the culture. They can get a pat on the back. They're going to say, wow, that guy right there is just really spiritual. But really, why would a hypocrite do that other than to receive the credit from those around him what credit is that when we've been called to please our heavenly father and the same is exact same with fasting folks listen when it comes to loving people the credit is this we don't just go love who those who we like we love all people everybody we come into contact with is worthy of our love Every individual we see, regardless of what they look like, act like, smell like, regardless of the decisions they make, they, re- they receive our love. It doesn't matter what their background is, doesn't matter what their heritage is, doesn't matter what their skin color is, it doesn't matter what orientation they are, they receive our love. How many of you ate Thanksgiving dinner with somebody you disagreed with? In the first service... Herb and Nancy King were sitting next to each other, raised hands, and looked at each other. I said, I said, what, you guys just eat by yourselves? Grief. Why do we do that? Because we love people. You know, you can eat a meal with somebody you disagree with. That's okay. Amen? You can hug the neck of somebody you disagree with. That's okay. 
It doesn't mean we're going to sit down and affirm every wrong decision they make or sit down and affirm everything they're doing that, that is sinful. No, we're not going to do that, but we are going to hug their neck and eat a meal together and smile and they're going to receive love from me. Amen. That's what we're called to do. That's what the Scripture is telling What credit is it to you? You know, there are some people that are hard to love because they've attacked us. They've said stuff about us. They've tried to hurt us. I told them the first service, I'll never forget the first time Alyssa found out that not everybody in the church loved me. (laughs) It's been several years ago now, and I don't remember how she got her information, because we didn't tell her. But she was blown away. Dad, how people, how, why would somebody not like you? I don't know, babe. I'm wonderful. I don't know why. <laughs> everybody loves you. I, I, I was sure everybody loved you. No. No, babe, not everybody loves dad. Then she said really harsh things like, why don't they find a different church then? Or why don't they do this? I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Folks, listen. (laughs) She's also seen me go to people who, who she had heard that didn't like me and minister to them just as I will people who love me. Listen, it's important for us to love people who don't like us. And some people, I love Christians get mad and they get this attitude that says, I'm going to love them just so I tick them off. That's what that says, Pastor. You heap burning coals on their head. I'm going to go heap some burning coals on them tomorrow. I'm going to love them anyway. Well, I don't know if that's the full context of that pastor's scripture. But (laughs) some people are hard to love. But those are the ones that when we love them, it's going to be credit to us. There have been times that I've looked my wife in the eye and I said, you know, it's going to be worth it. If we bite our tongue... If we show love and reverence, in the long run, what we're doing is we're sowing a seed into the faith and promise of God that there's going to be a reward. It'll be worth it someday. Right at the moment, it may not feel like it's worth it, but it'll be worth it. You're like a farmer. When you're sowing seeds of love, you sow them knowing at some point there's going to be a harvest of good in my life because of what I've done. There will be a reward. I can't tell you all of the reward, but this passage shows what part... You'll go down to verse 35, if you will. It's the next one. Just to kind of highlight it. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. You ever love somebody that you knew you weren't going to get loved back? You knew that as soon as you walked out of the room, they were going to have you for lunch? You knew that as soon as you turned your back, if you turned back around and looked in a mirror, you'd find a knife stuck in the back right between the shoulders. Do it anyway. Then your reward will be great. What is that reward? I wish I could tell you what all of it is. And I can tell you this, that there are natural rewards for loving people even if they don't love you back. There's peace. Amen. There's the confidence of knowing that you're obeying the Lord. You, there's, just, there's the presence of God in our lives that gives approval to those things. But here's, here's the greatest part of it. Your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. What this is saying is, and what the Lord is saying here is, is when you learn to love as I loved, 
I have loved, then they're going to see you as my son. You're going to see you like they see me. Who was Jesus? He was the son of who? And who is he saying that we'll be if we do this? You will be sons of the Most High and daughters of the Most High. In other words, Jesus said you'll be like me. If you love those who don't love you, if you love the wicked, if you love the hateful, if you love the ungrateful, then you're going to be seen to be like me. Personally in my life, and I hope this has happened to you too, some of the greatest compliments I've ever received has not been, Pastor, that was a great message. Pastor, that was a hilarious joke. Pastor, that was, thank you for your help. No, the greatest, some of the greatest compliments I've ever received was, that guy right there is real. That guy right there is actually living out the faith. To me, that's the greatest. And I know it's happened to many of us, if not all of us in this room, where somebody finally has looked in and said, wow, that's real. What that is, is is you love people not expecting anything. You love selflessly. You give of yourself. And then eventually you're going to have a great reward, whatever that great reward is. But the greatest one is to be called sons of the Most High God. The greatest reward, because why? We talked about last week. Abram saw that the Lord was his shield and his exceedingly great reward. The Lord was his reward. And when we love people unconditionally, and we love people, even those who despise us, we act like Jesus. Jesus, who was more concerned about pleasing his Father by loving those who hated him, then prideful in wanting to attack those who hurt him. Jesus, who was so humble, humbling himself, the scripture says, even to death on the cross, humbled himself and went to the cross and died for my sins and your sins. And as he hung there, looked at those who pierced his hands and his feet, and they were separating his clothes and casting lots for them, looked at them and said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Well, we can love people and have the heart of Christ that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If we can have that kind of love for the person that says, while they still hated us, while they still attacked us, while they were still gossiping about us, while they were still tearing us down, while they were still doing whatever to me, my family, or those around us, while they were doing that, I still loved them and sacrificed for them. You live like that, then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Notice it says in the wicked. Because I'm going to be honest with you folks, there are some people, they don't deserve niceness. Some people, you see them and you just go, Makes your skin crawl. Some people, you just, every time you see that they're coming or going or you're going to meet up with them, you're like, dear Lord. It doesn't matter if your feelings are justified or not. He loved the wicked. God would have been completely justified in turning his back on us and letting us go into an oblivion of hell for our sins and our actions, he would have been completely justified in it. But because he loved, and he loved unconditionally, and he loved perfectly and righteously, he made a way. Amen? 
1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 says this, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Pride is the killer of love. Pride is the killer of love. Now, I know chapter 13 here, a lot of people talk about it being the love chapter. It's read a lot of weddings and different things like that, which is still in context, is a little bit different, but it's good. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's talking about the use of the gifts of the Spirit. It's talking about Pentecost. It's talking about uh, prophesying. It's talking about tongues. It's talking about interpretation, all those kinds of things. But then he goes in and says, if you try to do all this stuff without love, you are useless and worthless. Amen? Amen? But then it goes down here and it says, look, love is not proud. Love is the complete opposite of pride. And pride is the complete opposite of love. They are polar opposites. Satan himself, Satan himself was defined as prideful when he fell from heaven. That's who he was. He could not be God because God is love. And God cannot be prideful because that's the opposite of who he is and God is perfect. Amen? So a lot of us, a lot of the times we struggle. The reason why we don't love other people like we should is because we're so full of ourselves in our prideful attitude that says, I am justified in my feelings toward that person. And the reality of it is this, folks, that you and I, though, uh, in our sin are no different than the other person. And when we have this attitude, pride spikes up. And trust me, I've been proud before and I have been proud recently. I won't share that story because I'm not proud of it. But you know, sometimes being right, I said it a while back, I would rather be righteous than right. And at the same time that this was happening, I had a situation where I was right, but not in as righteous way as I should have been. Anybody with me? You ever been right before, but you conveyed yourself totally wrong in a wrong way that's me and I've been there before folks my feelings were justified my attitude was justified until the words came out of my mouth about the situation and I heard it and I said it in front of my wife and then I went and she went didn't you just preach about that and I went si senorita (laughs) must repent and fix. Amen? Sometimes we got to do that. Matthew chapter 22. Look at this, if you will. If you want to turn there, you can. If you want to follow along on the screen, you can. Loving others is a very important part of loving God. And we talked about loving God last week, but if we go and we stop with loving God, but don't love the ones that He sent His Son Jesus to die for, then we are horribly wrong and off track. Amen? We can't say we love God and then hate our brother. We can't do that. In Matthew 22, Jesus says this in verses 36 through 40. Again, very familiar passage. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Everybody say greatest. Greatest. Why is it greatest? Because everything else flows from that. It begins with God. Amen. It begins with Jesus. It begins with surrendering ourselves to Him. If you never surrender yourself to God and love Him... You'll never get to do the rest of it correctly. Amen? You'll never fully understand. So it's the greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. The second is less than the first. It's not less important, but the problem is is people try to do the second half to, to earn the first half, and you can't do that. The first four commandments are all about loving God. It's talking about not having, to loving God, not having idols before us, all of these things, not creating an image to honor the Sabbath, all that kind of stuff is the first four. And we're looking at that and we're saying, wow, okay, uh, so if I love my brother, then God's going to love me enough to know. You have to start with the first. We talked about the first, loving God last week. But this week, loving others is very important. The other six are hanging on the fact of whether or not we love our brother. If we love our brother, we will fulfill these things. If we don't love our brother, we will not fulfill these things. How many of you have ever broken any part of the last six commandments? <laughs> How many recently? No, just kidding. Um, well, what are they? What are they? And as we read these quickly, there is no requirement. There is no stipulation placed on it about who's worthy of this kind of love and who isn't. People are imperfect. Amen? And as long as there's somebody that has breath in their lungs or has had breath in, our, in, breath in their lungs, they are worthy of our honor, respect, and love. Amen? Let's look at them. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. Don't you love the, the last six that the Lord starts somewhere at home? Isn't it home where we really show our true colors? Home. Mother and father, honoring them. I'm going to be honest with you, home is a place where you let your hair down, or in my case, you let it fall out. And I... In the office, I'll have a counseling session, have somebody come in, and they'll be sitting there, and, we'll, and many of you have experienced this. They'll have a serious situation going on, and, uh, and I'm sitting here like this. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, you know, the Scripture says this, and you know, we, we're going to pray together and just believe God to intervene in that situation. And, and, uh, and, and folks, I really mean it. I believe it. He can. But then I go home, and April's had a bad day. Honey, you're just going to have to get over it. I don't know what to tell you. Other than that. <laughs> they, I know, I know, but I mean, come on, man. We've got to do this every day. It's not that big of a deal. They're just, they did this, they did it. You're reading into it too much. You just need to move on. Just get past it. Isn't it at home where we show our true callers? I would never say that to somebody in counseling. Are you serious? <laughs> you're being petty and stupid. Fix it. Get past it. There's bigger problems in the world. <sighs> but yet at home, that's where we, we, we kind of push it, don't we? Honor your mother and father. The first commandment with a promise. Right? That it may go well with you and you have a long life on the earth. I always say this because if you don't honor your mother and father, they'll kill you. I brought you into this world, I'll take you out. But really, there's more to it than that. There are blessings from God because we do what He's called us to do. Amen. Honor your mother and father. I, I, I've had many teenagers when I was doing youth... Listen, youth ministry was awesome to have teenagers and parents in your office talking about an issue. 
because the teenager thinks you're on their side and you're not. And you're sitting there going, and they would say, what do you think, Pastor? And I look at them and say, why aren't you honoring your mother and father? We talk about this all the time. Well, but that, no, you honor your mother and father. I love it when they say, Pastor Bob, my parents are so stupid, man. They told me I can't come to church anymore because I, I, I was late to school and my wife got detention, so I, got, I can't be at church for like three weeks, man. Okay. I can't believe they kicked me out of church. What about my salvation? What about eternity? It's like, well, I guess you better start listening in class again. Honor your mother and father, and you're going to be gone for three weeks. Can't you call them? It's like, no, that's their rule. They made it up. You're the stupid one that broke the rules. <laughs> You've got to honor and obey. Amen. As a, as a child and, and a teenager, you need to obey your parents. When you become an adult, you need to honor them. You don't have to obey everything they say, but you honor them. Listen, folks, do you love your moms and dads? If your moms and dads are alive, listen, honor them. Don't grieve them. Don't frustrate them. If there's something in your life that they don't agree with, don't come do it in front of them, in front of them, at their home. You know what I'm saying? Honor them. Say, well, I I got it on my own. I like to smoke cigars and have a beer occasionally. Well, how do your parents feel about it? Well, they don't like it. Well, then don't smoke a cigar and drink a beer in their living room. Have a little bit of honor. Amen. If you decide to, listen, whatever it is, we don't need to dishonor, dishonor our parents. Listen, kids, siblings, get along. Y'all grown up now. Right? 18 or older, we're all big kids now. We love our parents, we honor our parents by how? We get along. I don't care what Susie said to Joey back in 1973. Who cares? You pull up, you put on your big girl panties, your big boy panties, and you go in. Some of you got concerned while your preacher was putting on big girl panties, wasn't you? You just got to hold on a second. And you need to get along. Amen? Don't grieve your parents with that nonsense baloney. Don't come in and have a fight in front of them and then expect them to pick sides. You know how ridiculous that is? Are we seriously sick still? Grow the puke up. Amen? Honor your mother and father. Why? It's going to go well. Listen, if you are an angry... I can tell you this. Bitterness breeds bitterness. Bitterness breeds bitterness. Bitterness breeds bitterness. If you have bitterness, it will flow into other things and you will not have long life on the earth because I can tell you this, bitterness will destroy you. If scripture says it rots the bones. Honor your mother and father. There's going to be a blessing because of it. Amen? Honor your mother and father. I can't tell you what all the blessings are going to be, but I can tell you what a blessing it is to be in good relationship with your parents. And, and I, have, I have seen, folks, as a pastor, I have seen the elderly pass away and those who are left frustrated because they didn't do what they needed to do when the others were alive. And I've also seen the elderly pass away where, where things were good and everybody rejoiced and moved on with joy and peace and happy memories. Which one would you like to have? Honor your mother and father. You shall not murder. I'm just going to hit these quick. Is that Okay. Uh, I, I, all of us rejoice when we read that because none of us have killed anybody, I don't think. It's easy to avoid murdering people. Right? I promise you, I'm, I am 43, going to be 44 years old here in a few weeks, haven't murdered one person. 
Not one. I'm proud of myself. I haven't broken this commandment. But then Jesus, in, uh, in, uh, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, made it clear that if you hate your brother, it's the same thing. Now, I've hated people before. Mostly when I'm driving, but I've hated a lot of people. <laughs> and, and we're not supposed to hate people. We're supposed to love people. Even those that, that we feel like deserve our hate. But folks, listen. We are called to love. And we are called to love the outcast, just like Jesus did. We are called to love the unlovable. We are called to get water from a Samaritan woman at the well. You know what I'm talking about. We are called to touch those with leprosy. We are called to minister to those who are sick, those who are hungry, those who need clothes, those who need all of these. That's what we're called to. And not to judge and not to pull ourselves back and say, no, 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 no. I can't be with this one or that one. We look at the parable of, of the sheep and the goats that Jesus talks about in the New Testament. And he says, he's talking about the sheep and the goats. And the whole division between those who were real followers and those who were false followers were those who were real followers actually went to the prisons and visited those. Actually went to the hospital and visited those who were sick. Actually took care of the poor. Actually did the things that Jesus did. That's hard to do when we murder people. Some of us will murder the panhandler on the corner before we ever get there. Some of us will murder people who have needs because we feel like they're too lazy or they won't work. Listen, we all have insight in ourselves that we feel like we're pretty knowledgeable in. And a lot of times we fall short because we murder them. I have seen people murdered. And I'm not talking about death. I'm talking about other ways of killing people. I have seen people so utterly destroyed by others that they aren't even the same person anymore. I have witnessed the teenager that is the walking dead in their school because nobody will talk to them because they know if they do, then that angry group of girls and that angry group of guys will get involved with them and they'll be hurt too. I've, I've ministered to those kids. I've ministered to the adults that have been shunned and turned away and, and hated by people. I've, I've seen it. There's a lot of other ways of killing people than just killing the body. Can I get an amen? amen? So if we're going to love people, then we must understand that in this life, you're going to reap what you sow. And if you hate, you can expect hate. But if you sow love, not everybody's going to love you back, but you will find more love than if you sowed only hatred. Thirdly, you shall not commit adultery. An adulterer is a self-filled narcissist who deceives himself or herself that what they are doing is somehow justified because it is based in love. Now I've really found my soulmate, so it's okay. Folks, have you ever heard any of that nonsense before? I've been, I've been the senior pastor for going on seven years. In our community, this little community here in Covington, is ate up with adultery. Unbelievable unbelievable and folks I'm telling you today it's not love because the adulterer that's full of themselves they don't consider not only themselves but they don't consider their spouse they don't consider their children they don't consider other people's spouses they don't consider other people's children they don't consider the, the, the ripple effect 
into further family and friends. They don't consider any of it. All of it is is a one-track selfish mind and motive that judges everybody else, a spouse, a community, a pastor, a church, a family member. They think this about me, so who cares? I can tell you this, that there is no love involved with breaking vows. And there is a reward if you will hold them and you will maintain them. I can tell you that. I can promise you, folks, that that instead of turning your heart and your attitude towards your spouse and getting mad at them because they're imperfect and then finding somebody who will justify your anger to make you feel better, that is all self-driven, self-motivated, and will destroy not only you but the rest of your family. An adulterer will say, oh, but, but what about my kids? Please don't. Listen, you should have thought about your kids before you went and did what you did. Folks, that sounds awful for me. Whatever. I deal with a lot of circumstances, a lot of situations. I'm not pointing anybody out, but I am standing up here telling you as your pastor, don't go down that path. Love your spouse. Be a person of love, even if they've made a mistake, even if they've been angry, even if whatever it may be, fix it, work it out. Because if you will maintain your vows, if you will hang in there, if you will continue to pursue Christ in your marriage, I promise you there'll be rewards. There will. Scripture says this about it. Ecclesiastes 4, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Folks, we need to make Christ the center of it. And, and, and if we do, we're going to have help. Thank God for my wife who helps me. Dear Lord, where would I be without April? I'm so grateful for her, folks. I'm so grateful. Even though she's got the coldest feet in the world in the wintertime. <laughs> this part, she takes us literally. If two lie down together, they will keep warm. What that means is she will keep warm. Ice cold. I'm not kidding you, folks. Ice cold. There is no circulation of those feet and hands whatsoever. And you get in that bed and you get all snug as a bug and a rug. And you pull up the blanket, and then suddenly, like a serpent, underneath the, the covers, you see movement. And then, it's almost like when you take a piece of hot iron and you drop it in the water. It's like, <laughs> And then she goes, I'm sorry, my feet are cold. And I grab her cold little hand, and I say, it's okay, baby. That's why God made me fat and hot. You can be warm. <laughs> Folks, listen. When it says keep the marriage bed pure, what a wonderful place. Scripture talks about keeping your marriage pure. The joy, the peace, the power and presence of God in your marriage. It's a wonderful thing. For those of you that have been hurt by adultery, I, I, I weep for you. And I love you. And I, I, know there's, I know that's a painful journey. We're on it with you and we're here for you. Amen. I know you have, and and all of us have made mistakes, and all of us have sinned in some level, so there's not a judgment of those who have had this in their past. Listen, folks, God is the one who heals. Amen? And and the other thing, other blessing of of maintaining that vow is kids and grandkids. Can I get an amen for those two? Whoop, whoop. Gotta love kids and grandkids. Awesomeness, pure awesomeness, 
Behold, the children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who his quiver is full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Love with their enemies. Speaking with enemies. Reward of children. Folks, listen. There's all kinds of rewards. I'm not going to hit all of these in depth. You shall not steal. We all know better, folks. If you steal from somebody, you, you love that thing more than the person you say you love. Don't steal anything. Ever. I know we're not supposed to exalt sins, but I have a hard time with thieves and liars. Man, I have a hard time with that. It's my pride. I know it's my pride, and I shouldn't. But boy, don't lie to me. Don't you dare lie to me. Don't you steal from me. Don't you dare lie to me. And I know that's not the Spirit of Christ within me. That's my flesh. I get that. Because the Scripture says that if somebody takes your coat, you give them your hat as well. You give your tunic and all this stuff. You just give them. If they want you to go a mile, go more, right? But, but uh, boy, don't you lie to me. <laughs> Folks, don't steal. Don't lie, which is the next one. In all of these things, there's going to be eternal rewards. The last one is, is not to covet. What we need to do is understand contentment in all of these things. And if we will honor God by honoring people around us and loving them around us, there's going to be a reward. Because if we fulfill and obey these things, people are going to look into our lives and they're going to see Christ. In closing, if you look at 1 John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, The passage I'm going to read here is following a time where John literally is telling people about uh, what it means to love God, and that is to obey His commandments, right? Don't say you love God if you're not going to obey Him. All these things we just talked about, don't say you love God if you're not going to obey these things. And I realize we fall short in a lot of areas, but don't look at these things and say, well, you know, not a big deal. And I will say this about adultery, I didn't if I forgot to say it. Jesus obviously made clear that it wasn't just the act of adultery, but it was those who lust after it. And we lose something and we steal something from our spouses when we become the person who lusts after something that doesn't belong to us. Whether it's an inappropriate thought or whether it's an inappropriate relationship that maybe isn't physical, but it's not really adultery. Listen, folks, it's all destructive and will destroy us. All of these things, if we choose not to obey them, are destructive. If we're going to say we love God and we refuse these things, then we're going to do damage to ourselves and and lie to ourselves that we really love God when we don't. But look at verse 7 of 1 John chapter 2. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in Him and you. Because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. My question to you this morning is on these issues and many others, are you in light or darkness with your attitude and your love toward people? I think for myself, it's easy to get caught up in a moment and to have the wrong attitude and to look at people with disgust and frustration 
and to think this one loves, this one deserves love and this one doesn't. But folks, the reality of it is, as long as there's breath in their lungs, they need to know God and they need your love. Condemning those who have fallen short is not going to lead them to Christ. Amen? Amen. Showing hate is not going to lead them to Christ. And even after they're gone, (laughs) there's still a way to honor and revere people and to love them. Even when parents are gone, there's a way to honor them and love them. Don't fight over the stuff. Amen? Don't fight over the stuff. There have been so many things in my life and in our lives as April and I's lives where we have looked at each other and we have said this, it's going to be worth it. It'll be worth it. It may be hard at the moment, but it's going to be worth it. Why is that? Because, because our love, as I said, is like, is like a seed. You know, we, we, we throw it. We throw it out and it's, going to, it's eventually going to grow and bear fruit. Amen. It will. It's going to be worth it. April and I have talked about a lot of things and a lot of situations and we, we deal with a lot of people and there have been a lot of hurts but there's been many, many, many more blessings. Don't ever get caught up in the hurts, folks, because if you just stop and look, you're going to find there's a lot more blessings. And there's been many times where we just stopped and we said, this is hard. This is hard to do, but it's going to be worth it. You say, why is it going to be worth it? The wicked man does deceptive work, according to Proverbs eleven eighteen, but he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. Everybody say, sure. What is sure? What is a surety? What is something? It is positive. It is truth. It is not going to change. It's not going to be moved. It is a sure thing. It's, it's, it's put there purposefully as a reward. It's a guarantee. So when you love a person that's hard to love and you, you see somebody who has attacked you, have said things about you, have stabbed you in the back, who's spread things about you in the community, whatever it may be, and you have the opportunity to show that person love. You show them love. Why? Because it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it to suppress my pride and to humble myself like my Savior humbled Himself. Even though He was on the cross, I've been called to take up my cross and carry it. I will take up my cross of shame. I will take up my hurts. I'll take up my burden, whatever it may be, what people have said, what people have done. And I will love them as Christ has called us to love them. I'll love them in truth. I'll love them with, with respect. Discipline. Lots of ways that I can love them. But I know this, that if I, if I, if I do that, I will receive a reward. I remember uh, when Pastor Mark left the first time, I was the associate pastor and I knew my life just suddenly changed. Things changed. And I thought, well, here we go. <laughs> what happens next? Because I had no direction. I didn't know what I was going to do. And he was gone for about a week, week and a half, and, and uh, things were kind of in an uproar and, and not necessarily a bad uproar. It's just people were unsettled and uncertain, and he was gone, and I was just in the office by myself and getting phone calls, taking phone calls, dealing with some other things, and, 
and just uncertainty in myself, my family, my kids were concerned. What happens now? What are we going to do? And uh, I had to preach that Sunday. I preached. And I'm not kidding you folks, at the end of the service, I was as empty as a person could possibly be. I had nothing left for anybody. Zero. I had poured out every ounce of everything that I had. It was gone. And we'd had a call. There was an emergency for somebody and and we went to the hospital and I sit outside in the car and I looked at April and I said, I got nothing. She said, what what do you mean? I said, I got nothing. I'm supposed to go in here and be an encouragement and pray with somebody. I got nothing. I am as empty as possible. I am a dry bone. I have nothing. She said, well, I I mean, we got to go in. walk in and I'm I'm not kidding you folks I walked into the room I sat down and the spirit of God just filled me I grabbed this person's hand looked him in the eye loved him prayed with him ministered to them quoting scripture sharing things with them smiled prayed left as empty as I came in I walked out and sat in the car and April looked at me and she said, wow. I said, what? She goes, that was God. I said, yes, it was. She said, I just witnessed a miracle. And I learned at that moment, folks, I learned at that moment and I should have already known this. It doesn't matter how empty you are, if you're going to do His will, He's going to fill you. And you say, what's that got to do with me? It has everything to do with you. There are times where you're empty, you're frustrated, you're angry, you're tired of dealing with people, the situation's gotten out of hand, it's gotten out of control, now you're going to have to do this or this, now I have to swallow my pride, I have to apologize, or I have to forgive, or I have to do this, and folks, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how empty you are, if you're willing and ready to obey the Lord with what He's brought you to do at that moment, He will fill you with what you need at that moment. Don't be afraid. You've been called to love people. And if there's a situation where you haven't been loving, you haven't been kind, you haven't been generous, you haven't been compassionate, you haven't been helpful, whatever it is, if you've, if you've lost focus in that area, I promise you that, 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 that if you allow it to become bitterness, bitterness will breed bitterness, it'll get worse. But you can pull that nasty root out if you'll obey the Lord and you go make things right. And there'll be peace. And there'll be contentment. And He will fill you for that moment because it's His will. And even if they don't accept it, and even if they refuse you, and even if they turn you away, you can leave still with peace knowing I have tried. There are people in my life that I have reached out to and I have tried and I have tried and I have tried and they will have nothing to do with me and they refuse me every time. But folks, the door is open. Door's open. Anytime you want to walk through it, you know I love you. If we can capture that and be that, we will obey God in those commandments and glorify Him and people's lives will be transformed. Amen? Amen. Amen. Bow your heads with me this morning. You are just so good, Father. Thank You for loving the wicked. Thank You for loving me in my lost condition. Thank You for making a way, Lord. Thank You for loving me in spite of myself. Thank You for drawing me nearer to You. Thank you, God, for transforming my life. 
If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I've got, I'm not going to make you come up or anything. We're just going to acknowledge this before God. Say, Pastor, there's a situation in my life where I have not loved in a righteous way. And I need to do better and I want to make it right. If that's you and the Lord has pricked your heart this morning, just by an uplifted hand, we're going to pray over you. I'm not going to make people gather around you and I'm not going to make you come up front and confess everything. Wow, there's only one person. Okay, there we go. All right. Yes, there's probably more than that. I want everybody to open their eyes. Me too. We've all got our moments, don't we? Would you just stand in honor of the Lord this morning? We're going to go to Him in prayer for this. Would you just simply, especially those that lifted their hands, but all of us, I know when I would do worship at kids' camps, I would teach them about worship, and we would make a funnel. A funnel is what you catch all that God has for me. Would you be willing to make a funnel this morning the best you can? I know it's kind of crowded, even if it's like this. And if you are in need of of loving someone else, let's just make that our prayer today. Lift your hands this morning. Father, we receive together. Lord, that you would come and fill empty places. Lord, that you would give us words of compassion. You would give us mercy. You would give us grace. God, that you would remove deception from our hearts and minds. And that you would allow us to love people as you have loved them. God, I know there's a great reward. And that reward is that we are being called sons and daughters of God. Lord, let them see you in our lives. Fill us to the point, Lord, of transformation. Fill us, God, to the point of looking like you. Today, Father, we need you. Throughout this holiday season, we need you. And all of this can only be done through your presence because we love you, Lord. We want to honor you first and we want that love to overflow toward others. God, we receive that together today in faith and we know, God, that you're going to fill us for the times of need when we need it so that we can show people who you are. We receive that together today and we thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said... Amen.